0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Writing Easy, the podcast that takes a somewhat painful process of writing and tries to make it just a little bit easier. I'm one of your hosts, Mary Mascari. And I'm your other host, Melissa Long. So Melissa, have you ever heard the phrase, write drunk, edit sober? Surprisingly, I have. <laughs> so what a surprise.
1: <laughs> it's pretty ubiquitous. Yeah, it's all over the place. It's on t-shirts, it's on notepads and coffee mugs on Etsy, so I see it Socks, all Socks, underwear. All the Socks, couch,
0: <laughs> boxes, throw pillows, <laughs> dog sweaters. Yes. <laughs> I think it's mostly because people are excited about the word drunk, but maybe that's just me. That probably plays something. And I, I personally, I've never actually written literally drunk, like actually intoxicated. Have you?
1: Uh, no. Why It would be horrible. <laughs> like,
0: why would I, think, I do yes. that? <laughs> yeah, I, well, you know, I, I think there's the idea that you're feeling a little more free or just they like drinking. I just would go to sleep. You know, I need to be as awake as possible. I need stimulants. But I do like this phrase very much besides the whole alcohol part of it. The spirit behind it is not that you should actually ingest alcohol before you try to write something. uh, But in fact, that you should, when you are writing, meaning you are creating new stuff, you should be free and loose and, and not concerned about normal things like you would when you are drunk. Yes. And it's not an easy state to get into.
1: It's very challenging. It's because I think that naturally you have like this self editor in your head that is telling you like, oh, that's not good. That's not good. Stop doing that. Or like, you don't want to write, you don't want to make this decision because you're going to write yourself into a corner and you're not going to know how to solve it. And then this is going to be bad. And if you can turn that off and just write freely and from a curiosity sort of perspective, you get better story, but it's very hard to do.
0: It's hard to get to that place. I know for me, I am eager to get done. <laughs> I like, I you know, that phrase is I don't like writing. I like having written. <laughs> um, and I've seen that attributed to several people. Uh, but I totally get that feeling. I want to be done. I want to get it finished because I have this idea of what it's going to be and I want that to happen. So I'm in a big hurry. And so I want to kind of save time. So if I'm writing, you know, that, that drunk part – I, uh, I end up starting to think about the final uh, the final product and wanting to get there quickly. Um, and so I try to edit as I write, and that's that doesn't work very well.
1: I mean, there are some people who, lo- like, swear by their editing while they write. And they come – like, they end up with these really polished, like, not ready-to-go, ready-to-be-published manuscripts, but they end up with very clean – drafts and I'm very envious of those people but also I recognize that well I don't know I would love to interview somebody who's like yeah I'm like how do you make sure that you're like also being organic and just like developing the story and not get so caught up on like all the little things
0: yeah I'd like to sit next to someone and watch them write like how do you come up with this idea now like how do you do that like people who who uh Outline the whole thing and then write the whole thing from beginning to end. I don't that, – that makes zero sense to me. Like, but how, how do you know what it's going to happen next? Like, I don't know. Just think of it. But how do you just think of it without having – getting – like, huh? So, so yeah, That I would love to learn how some people do those things. I uh, You know me. I love outlining. I'm a huge,
1: huge outliner. But my outlines have varied from project to project. And now that I'm writing television, they're very different from the outlines that I did – for novels but i do feel like i do a lot of the writing in the outline process and like when i first started Mm -hmm. writing novels my outlines were more like almost like beat sheets they were just like scenes and it was like this objective needs to happen i need this character to discover the secret i need this person to be kidnapped it was like very Mm -hmm. loose and so that when i went to write i'm like okay i know what the end outcome is of this scene. And now I have to figure out how to get there from, from where I started at the beginning of the Mm. chapter. So that's, it was very loose. And now my outlines are like, I know everything that's going to happen in that scene. And the writing of the script is just putting it in the right format, flushing it out, adding dialogue and cutting back a lot of the stuff that I had to figure
0: out so that I could trim it to fit in the space of a script. It sounds really nice. Now, when you're doing that, do you think you're drunk or sober? When I'm
1: doing the outline, I don't think I'm drunk. Mm. <laughs> I think I'm very sober. Um, and I almost have to be. I, like, I'm very structured about, like, this is the thing I'm trying to accomplish and very deliberate. And I go back over yeah. it over and over and over again, multiple times. So I don't. it's not
0: super explorative with television particularly is very uh rigid you know it's a, it's a very uh, uh for now i would say formulaic it's not the word structured art form um so you you kind of have to you can't just go crazy with it there's like very specific things that need to happen so i could see that i think i probably do the similar thing but i just do it in a different way because i definitely need to write drunk I need to kind of barf up a whole bunch of crazy stuff, scenes here and there, wander off down this dead end street, come on back, go over here. I use half of it. It takes a really long time, Um, but then I've generated all this crap, and then I kind of go through it, and then I figure out what I want it to be, Um, and so for me, I need to be drunk during that time, and by drunk, I mean just free and crazy and not editing and not thinking if it's any good, just you know, be very forgiving of myself, uh, very um, low standards, <laughs> you know, I like, I, mm-hmm. don't worry about it if it's any good. And in fact, what I'll do is if I've written a really bad sentence or something that I think is terrible, I don't go back and fix it. I want to. But what I do instead is I, I put in brackets, like, little sarcastic comments about it, which sounds like it's... Um, like it would be negative, but it's not because it's very freeing. So I'll write just this crazy sentence that doesn't go anywhere. It wanders around and I'll put in the brackets like whatever the hell that was <laughs> or something that makes sense next time, you know, oh we'll try English next time. And those snarky comments are very freeing, right? Because now I've given voice to my critic and I've put, you know, let my critic speak and then move on. So that's one way I, I can keep my critic out of the way, my inner critic. Um, who tells me what sucks and then also because then I'm also kind of promising my inner critic that I know what this will be back and I'll come back to it so that shuts him up too so then when I get to the editing phase where I do need to be sober and then my inner critic does need to come in I can uh, be objective I can look at this thing that I spat out you know just puked out onto the page and I can say all right well what's good about this is this any good do I want to use this might this be useful you know, and I do end up pulling large things from that, you know, from those, those free rights. And the other cool thing is that oftentimes, you know, when I've made a note about something being really terrible, I, when I come back to it, it's not that bad. You know, yeah. about half the time I end up leaving it just as it is. So, ha, huh, take that inner critic. <laughs> that that happens for me too, yeah. You have a good, strong inner critic? I
1: have a strong inner critic and uh, she's often wrong. <laughs> She's often wrong so how, in the moment and when I come back I'm like, "Oh wait, no, this wasn't
0: atrocious." <laughs> so how do you keep her from uh, slowing you down?
1: Uh I don't know that I
0: do. I
1: like, <laughs> I feel like she definitely slows me down and I get into the like I'm in the stage of awareness where like I've realized it's happening, but I haven't figured out how to counteract that and prevent it on the front end from happening. It's just a like, I go, I've gone through enough cycles where once I start sharing it with other people, and then they're like, wait, this is good. Like, and yeah. they start pointing out flaws, but they're not the ones that I was fixated on. And I'm like, okay, like, this is just me getting in my own head about yeah. things that aren't as important as I thought they were.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the outside viewpoint and experience, those are always good. Yeah.
1: I mean, I do free writing i do i don't do it during the outline stage but i do free writing for character development so i often will when i'm first starting a project or when i'm stuck just think about a major event in a character's life and i will write like just vomit up their perspective their retelling mm-hmm. of that experience. It's almost like a diary journal of like what it meant to them, how it impacted them, what happened. And sometimes I'll do the same event from two different perspectives, like the mother and the daughter, if they're both in the um, story. And then that Mm -hmm. way I can go back. And when I think about, okay, like I know these things shaped this person and this is how they now see and view the world. And does that align with the actions that they're taking in the story. So, like, I use that to then, like, back into the plotting Mm -hmm. and the outlining because now I understand, Mm -hmm. okay, she's never going to make this kind of decision Mm -hmm. because that's at conflict with some of the experiences that she's had.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good tool. and I think it's important to understand that writing is more than just, you know, adding words to your manuscript. Yeah, And, you know, outlining is part of it. But, yeah, these free writing things where you can explore and learn things – uh, I think that kind of changes your perspective and and engages different parts of your brain so you can do more stuff, do, you know, be more
1: free about it. And I mean, I think you have to know, especially with characters, you have to know them inside and out. Otherwise yeah. it doesn't feel authentic. And I think what you're doing when you're like writing first drafts is like you're understanding and learning the world and learning the characters through sort of trial and error um, and then revising after you've played around in that world.
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm, I, you know, it feels like drafts that don't go anywhere, but they're, I have learned over time that that work is actually laying groundwork and it it does count quite a bit. So, you know, that helps because it feels like, oh my God, I'm writing this so bad. I'm writing this so bad. I'm writing this so Like you're not, it doesn't count. I mean, it doesn't count for what you think it is. So I wrote down a list of some other things that, um, that you might do to write drunk besides actually, you know, getting intoxicated, which we don't recommend because it might not make any sense, or you might just <laughs> fall asleep. Um, one thing that you can do is, if you write on a computer, is to write in a different font. So pick, the, like, Comic Sans or something really dorky, some bad font, and write in that font instead of a more grown up font. And in doing that, that kind of gives it a little more fun feeling. You know, maybe make the, the screen color a little different or something like that, or make it kind of... Um, just so you're kind of uh, cueing your brain that this doesn't count. This is just for fun. Another thing which I remember from the book Writing Down the Bones is that she would buy notebooks, like ratty old small notebooks, or like little uh, dumb notebooks with like unicorns on them, or action figures and and stuff that are childish and not serious grown-up notebooks. And she would write in there because that's, you know, that doesn't count. That's not, it's not grown-up work because there is something about seeing your words, you know, lined up in the format in the Times New Roman font or the um, – what's the font for screenwriting? I can't remember now. Courier? That's what I use. Yeah, and the Courier font mm-hmm. that, that feels kind of grown-up and can be a little intimidating, right? Because, like, holy cow, this is really the deal. So, yeah, using a, a silly notebook, uh, using a, a different font – there are, also to, are, there are also tools that can help you uh, generate words quickly. So the one I like a lot is called Write or Die. Um, and it's a little, you can use it online or you can install it on your computer. And you tell it how many words you want to write and how long you want to write. And how you want it to enforce it. Um, and you start and you write. And you can do things like if you stop writing, it can just sort of go, him, you know, and just give you like change the color of your screen, or you could have it really yell at you. Um, you can set it so you can't backspace. And that's crazy. I've done that. Um, you can also get into competitions with people through Write or Die of word war, you know, like who's going to make more words. And when you're focused on just making words fast, that tends to get that drunk feeling going.
1: I think those are... Uh, really great tools. I've used some of those as tricks. Um, I also find anything that makes it feel less official is so mm-hmm. helpful. So I love the idea of like changing the font or even changing the program. So like I write screenplays and final draft. I don't write first drafts in there. I don't write my outlines in there because it feels mm-hmm. too official. So I've used Google Docs, I use the Dropbox paper a lot. Um, I've used, Notebooks, I used to use, and I know we talked about this in in grad school, the Neo 2, like, portable keyboard, (laughs) which is, like, the oldest. I mean, it's got to be, like, 25 or 30 years. It's, like, ridiculously old now. They don't make them, and you have to buy them, like, on on eBay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But it was this great thing where it's, like, it only allows you to see, like, three or four lines of text. Yeah. And so it's like you're just writing. You can't read and go back and edit or go like, oh, what did I say? You just have to like put content in and then you can upload it into your computer and then go and edit it from there. It comes in as like a um, text file. But that's really helpful. And it's like and it feels like a typewriter almost, except you don't have the like stress of like messing up on paper and not being able to digitally transfer it over.
0: Yeah, I did, I did see something about that, and it, it looked pretty pretty interesting. And now that I think about it, I've got an old iMac, old iMac, down the basement. I don't know if it works. If it does, maybe that might be a good, like, this is my drafting computer. This is my, it doesn't count computer, because there's also no internet on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I could just go in there, put some stuff out, stick it on a flash drive, and bring it over to my real computer, if you can hear the air quotes there, and uh, use that stuff that way. That might be kind of fun. But anything you can do to to fool your brain into not taking it as seriously. And you got to play. You're playing. I outline with markers, post-its, yeah. sticky notes. Like,
1: play. <laughs> like, that opens up. It just makes you feel less restricted. And you just mm-hmm. throw any idea that comes your way down. And don't worry if it's logical or feasible
0: until you, like, get to the later process. Just capture the ideas. And that's when you're sober. That's when you start to look at the the craft of it. Right, that, you know, you have to have, there's a a quote, which is probably out on the Pinterest board, uh, that when you're, uh, your first draft is just filling the sandbox with sand, and then you start building the sandcastle. And yeah, so you have to shut off that part of your brain and just play. Just play, because it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. Well, cool. So with this, I'm going to encourage everybody to go out and play, have a good time, use your Pink magic markers to write and ugly fonts and uh whatever other crazy things you can do, put on a silly hat, lay on the floor. You know, get crazy. We're artists, we're allowed to be weird. Yes. Don't drink. Don't drink too much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, a little bit if you're you know, but you're grown ups you decide, but yeah, don't don't get wasted to try to write. Because honestly, it will not help. It doesn't yes. it doesn't help. We're not promoting alcoholism here. Like it, it yeah. doesn't. Yeah, it's more of a spiritual drum Not a, not a good so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so only little bits of uh, programming notes here. Um, don't forget to check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram sometimes. Uh, if you can go review us and rate us in uh, the Apple Podcasts app. I think you can do ratings and reviews and other things too, like Spotify and things. I think you can. If you can, please do so. Because not only does it help other people find the podcast, it makes us feel really good. So, um,
1: say hello. Say hello
0: on social media. We like to chat yeah. with folks. So remember writing is hard. So take it easy. I'm Mary.
1: And I'm Melissa.
0: Bye, Bye. everyone.